Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is so good to see so many faces that I've not been able to see, or if I've seen, they've been through a screen, or over a phone call, or a text message, or an email. But it's so good to be able to see faces, uh, and for us to be able to gather together, um, which so far is turning out to be a very beautiful uh, day for us to gather together and to worship God. This morning we heard from our Lord about the high calling of the people of God. For the people of God, those who are to be the sons of the Most High are those who love their enemies, do good to everyone, and then probably maybe at least for some of us, maybe this is where it hits me hardest, lend hoping for nothing in return, where the rubber hits the road, where you give money to those and don't expect any interest or anything back, just a pure sacrifice for the other. The world around us values these things as well. There's nothing in the world that does not tell us that love is unimportant, that we shouldn't do good things, or that we shouldn't help somebody out when they need help. That's that's pretty typical. You would encounter almost anybody on the street. What would be a good person? Somebody who loves people. Somebody who does good things. And maybe if they need some help, they'll buy them a Big Mac or something, right? This is, this is normal. But God and our Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we have to live beyond the normal. It's one thing for us to love or have the word love on our lips. It's another thing to love those who hate us, those who have hurt us, those who have done nothing good for us. It is easy to do good for people that we like. In fact, there's nothing better than doing good for people that we like. But Jesus says we must do good to everyone. Lending, hoping in nothing in return. I want to take a step away from what our Lord says here and think about the challenge of the past few months, the challenge of being in exile in some way. Even for us, or for Father Stephen and Deacon and I, and for Mark and Mother Beth, who were able to be for a few months without everyone gathered, and then as it slowly gotten or heading in the direction of some form of what used to be. But it's been like Israel in the desert. It has been a great challenge. There's nothing like being out in exile in the desert, away from home, not understanding what's going on, confused, hurt, etc., The word that I have used the most in describing this time has been grief, an immense amount of grief. No matter where you stand in regards to COVID-19 or any of it, this has been a tumultuous time for us. It has felt like we've left our homes and we're wandering around the wilderness. 
we hear maybe in this part of the camp whispers of this, we hear in this part of the camp whispers of this. It's been incredibly difficult. When the children of Israel were in their exile in the desert, they knew that they were headed somewhere, but they were just kind of in the desert. Sojourning, they knew that there was a promised land, but when you're weeks into the desert, the promised land seems uh, ephemeral. It seems like it's just a promise, and maybe even an empty promise. So we start thinking about maybe some nostalgia for simpler times, where the King James talks about the flesh pots of Egypt, the way things used to be, and how much we miss those things. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong for an Israelite to say, I miss my home. (laughs) I miss my street. I missed all of those things. In the same way that we miss each other, we miss the uh, being able to engage each other without thinking about what about this and that and the other and where, you know, etc. Almost every basic relationship gets ratcheted up to more complexity when that's far from what any of us desire or want. And what does Israel do when they're in exile, when they're in the desert? What any, I think, person would do weeks into being lost in the desert or wandering around? They start grumbling about the reality that they're living in. Who can blame them? They're in the desert. They're wandering around. They're following their leader. But then this also creates for them a crisis a lack of trust in God. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't care for us. Or what is going on? But if you remember in their exile, God is present. God is not distant. God is not absent. God is present. How, how does he lead them? He leads them through the desert by a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. He feeds them every single day. The manna that falls from heaven. So they are being taken care of. It is extraordinary. They are wandering around in tents. Uh, They're not in their homes. But they are being taken care of. God is present. And yet, what does Israel do? They look back on times before. Good times, no doubt. But there are times that then create for them a lack of trust, grumbling, And eventually, they're brought to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up. They see the fire. They see the cloud. The pillar is now on top of the mountain. And Moses is gone again. We have another exile. Moses, the leader, is gone for days and days. And then what does Israel do? They built a golden calf. Where'd they get the uh, gold for the calf? The Egyptians, they looked back home and they said, we're going to build ourselves a calf. What did they say about the golden calf? It reminded them of home, I guess, Egypt. But what did they say that the golden calf did? It's the God that saved them. Yahweh, God, who brought them out of slavery, who led them through the Red Sea, who is leading them through the desert, even though it was a desert. Yes, it was exile. Yes, they were on a path and a journey that they didn't know exactly when it was going to end, but God was present, feeding them, leading them. But Moses is gone for a few moments, 
And they turn to his brother and say, Will you, let's, let's worship this thing that we just melted down and built. Now we're going to stand before this and worship this golden calf. The challenge of idolatry, as we heard in the epistle reading this morning, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? There's always a challenge of idolatry for us. Even in the midst of the glory of Mount Sinai, for us to look back on what used to be, or to maybe not even looking backwards, but in the midst of a long exile, starting to turn to all of the things that we have put aside, that we have struggled with in the past, and now, in just a few short months, it's like we're back in Egypt. God is on the mountain, and we're having a great party in the vicinity of God's house. The challenge of idolatry. What's so easy about idolatry? Idolatry's idols promise us good feelings. What did the Israelites do when they built the, the idol? They had a great big party. Idols don't make demands or do not expect anything of us. Because the trick is, we built them. So, if we want something from the idol, it's whatever we desire, not what God or what we think, but an idol makes no demands of us. And in fact, an idol is usually a mirror of our own selfish desires. What we want, what we would like to worship before, and what might give us good feelings, fleeting though they may be. When we're in the midst of falling back into Egypt, it is hard for us to love. It's hard for us to love our families, even. Those that we should be able to love the easiest or with some regularity, where they're the ones that we've been stuck in the same four walls for a long time. To do good, to actually sacrifice and lend, what idol is going to require that of you? The good news is that we, in all of our exile, and all of our possibilities of turning back to idols that we have put behind us, we have a living God, one who has made his dwelling, set, pitched his tent among us, for we are the temple of the living God. While it may be exile for us not to gather together as regularly as we would like to, or if we have to take turns for Sundays, especially when it comes back to being cold, but we are the temple of God. Yes, we need to build, yes, we need to build a church so that we can be able to worship in that space, maybe even with this much distance between each other in a new building. But as, as important and absolutely fundamental worship is for us, life-giving, we are the temple of the living God. We exist for each other to love, to do good, to lend without expecting anything back. And it is God who dwells among us, who walks among us. He is our God. He has redeemed us from Egypt. He has baptized us, brought us through the Red Sea, and he has given us every 
perfect and good gift from above. Even the gift of the challenges of exile. Even the gift of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even the gift of whatever kind of struggle that we've had. It's been a gift. Something for us to learn how to take down all of the idols in our hearts and to worship God in spirit and in truth. It is God who leads us and will lead us. It is such a blessing for us to be able to gather together, even with the noises and maybe people getting money out to lend to others over here at Bank of America. But God is with us. No matter what occurs, God is with us. God walks among us. Whether we gather together every Sunday inside the church, which God willing, we will return at some point in the near future. But be prayerful about that. But God is with us. He was with Israel in exile. He was with Israel on Mount Sinai, even in the midst of turning to the idols. He did not abandon them. He led them into the promised land. So may God be within your hearts. May you cast off, as the epistle tells us, cleanse ourselves from all of the idols, the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Love your enemies. Do good to everyone. Lend without expecting anything. And then you will be sons and daughters of the Most High God, for He will dwell within you, and the glory of the temple will shine forth from the body. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.